1: Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar.
2: Hey, this is Ron Moore Taylor, aka
1: the Pillars of Gotham. You are listening to Geek Vibes Live.
2: Good afternoon, everyone, or good morning, wherever you are. Um, welcome to another exciting episode of Geek Vibes Live interview. As always, I am your host, Tia Faby, and today we're going to be speaking with Brian Krause, who you may remember as the character Leo from the hit series Charmed. Um, I'm really excited to have him come on and speak with us today I mean this is Charmed has been one of those shows that everyone has watched Everyone knows And I'm just really excited to get him on air um, He's been very grateful to come and join us today And this is just going to be an exciting time I know I keep saying that But um just really looking forward to speaking with him Hello. Hi, Brian. Hi. Hey, Brian. This is Tia. Very nice to meet you. Well, not meet you, I guess. Be talking with you. (laughs)
1: Uh, Thanks. You too. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Um, Again, welcome to Geek Vibes Live interview. This is really big for me to be speaking with you. I mean, you... We're in like one of the most well known shows um such a cult classic so again, thanks for taking the time right now to speak with me
1: Oh, of course, um, thank you for having me
2: <laughs> thank you and so really, I just kind of want to ask you, you know when you first started charmed, you played the character Leo, and did you ever expect? the show to have the cult following that it has even to this day in 2018
1: no of course not i you know when i joined the show i wasn't even sure if i was going to be on for very long so it was uh it's it's definitely a surprise and you know it's a blessing that the show's moved on for so long and our fandom just seems to keep growing
2: Definitely, it's one of those shows that kind of like, I don't, you know, I know that it's not like Star Trek, and but to have that following that even, it's going to be decades and we're still going to talk about charm, so it's really cool, and do you have, like, any, like, really fond memories, anything that, like, really stands out from your experience on the show? Well, you know
1: the friends I've made over the years, just with the crew, and you know still knowing Holly and and uh, Drew, and you know the friendship we've made over the years and how it keeps building is, uh, you know, what a blessing. It's it's not often in this industry you're able to remain a friend, you know, remain friends with people you work with. Um, so it's 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 fantastic. I mean, I'm just. Uh, what can I say it's a, a blast
2: that's great. And do you find that you know as you're walking out on the street that people are still recognizing you? Do people come up to you? I mean, I know that it's probably not the funnest thing if you're getting your coffee and someone comes up to you and goes, "Hey, you're Leo, but that has to happen even you know to today yeah i'm I'm Leo. <laughs>
1: it's, it's crazy uh you know as many roles as i I've, I've played since and move on it's uh you know people are like no you can't be bad in this you're leo uh you know <laughs> I mean i'm freaking leo <laughs> i
2: guess that is Which one is of the <laughs> it's great
1: it's it's a i mean again it's a blessing to just you know have something that can go down in history is you know i guess iconic in a way is is it's just bizarre to me. I, Whoever knew that would be the case, you know?
2: I mean, but that has to be kind of, and actors solidify themselves in pop culture that way, even I as guess. they move You know,
1: my, my goal always was just to always work. Uh, you know, when I first started, you know, 18, you know, trying to get work and getting into SAG, it was, You know, my goal as a young man was to work my entire life as an actor and make a living and, uh, to work, just to always work and make a living at it. You know, celebrity and all that other stuff is, uh, you know, second nature, secondary to, uh, you know, the idea of working. I mean, you know, celebrity is not something I yearn for as much as, uh, you know, actually working (laughs) and then, you know, playing different roles and, you know, different characters and, you know, being able to just be an actor, uh, a filmmaker and be a part of the process. Uh, So, yeah, I'm, I'm inherently kind of shy when it comes to that. And I get embarrassed when people are like, Oh,
2: Hey, you're this.
1: It's like, hi, (laughs) you know, I, I, it's, it's not easy for me. It's, it's uh I'm always pretty embarrassed by it.
2: I do think about that um, from time to time, especially with the actors and actresses who go to conventions and you have a room full of screaming fans and it has to be so surreal to even put yourself, because as you said, you're just looking to work and be the actor, but... And on the flip side, what kind of comes along with it is the screaming uh horde of fans
1: <laughs> it's 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 amazing that they i tell you that's probably been the greatest thing that we've done is going to conventions uh and and meeting people in person and hearing their stories uh you know it, it, unless you're doing a play, you really don't ever you know have contact. Or, or hear any sort of um, response to, you know, what you've done. You know, obviously, celebrity adds to that. Oh, I'm getting recognized, or you work more, you make more money, maybe. But uh, I, I think the greatest thing is going to the conventions, talking to the fans, what, and hearing why they watched the show, what it meant to them, who they watched it with. Uh, you know, I've heard so many stories of people, you know, why they watched the show and, you know, their, their mother was sick or they are, or, you know, they feel like they didn't fit in and so many people, uh, how they identified with the girls and what they went through and the charmed ones in general, and how we, you know, gave them this escape, uh, you know, and to be a part of that. And, you know, I've sat there and hugged people and cried with them. And it's, I tell you, it's just, man, it's, it's beyond anything I could have imagined, uh, you know, as an actor, that that I can actually, you know, make a difference in people's lives. Uh, And and to think our little sci-fi show about magic uh, affects people like that is just remarkable.
2: And it's kind of really telling as to the impact that the show has had because I'm not sure if you are aware, but we have a reboot. Of charm oh, they on do? air right now. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, there is. Yeah, yeah, I heard yeah. About that. <laughs> yeah <Huh. laughs> it um it returned to CW with a you know new cast in October, so um, I think that personally is a huge sign that people wanted this back on screen. They wanted to experience the world again because I there's now a new show on for people to enjoy. <laughs>
1: right. Uh, the universe continues, which is fantastic, I think, for the fans. And,
2: you know, I, I think they hoped it was uh,
1: the original girls, um, you know, the chemistry they brought to the show and uh, how amazing they were, uh, you know, set that whole thing up. And I think it, really it is. You're right. It's it's the, the world of magic and, you know, the make-believe that uh, I think, people love so much
2: yeah and just kind of building on these characters and just really going on but you know it's been some time since charmed has gone off the air and i know that all of the actors including yourself have had a long list of roles that they've done since then and i heard that you're now going to be in this new show which is called a demonologist and I right. really just kind of want to, like, give the, the spotlight to you right now so that you can tell us all about this show and your character.
1: Uh, well, You know, The Demonology is a small indie movie. Uh, you know, it's a little budget written by uh, Jay Steli. And uh, it's, you know, I think it sets up the world of, of a potential you know we get, we can go further into that world uh it's it's a, it's a guy kind of like Leo who you know against all odds became this you know fighter for justice although he's not an angel uh he's quite the opposite um you know but just a normal guy who kind of gets sucked world to uh you know he fights demons on the bad side if you will so taking care of the bad guys is still kind of my deal, but, uh, you know, Damien is no angel. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: That's for sure.
2: Right? I feel like um, we, as viewers, really love the whole supernatural, demon-hunting uh, subplot in shows that also and, – and movies as they go along. And so it's kind of cool that you're – still in a mystical supernatural world but now you're hunting demons but you said just before that your character is no angel can you kind of go into that a little uh well
1: yeah i you know i think it's a twist at the end of the movie is what you know damien becomes but uh Yeah, you know, originally he's uh, a detective, you know, hunting bad guys, Um, you know, and then eventually he becomes, uh, I guess, kind of one of the bad guys himself in a way, Um, but, you know, hunting demons and in a way it's for the greater good, Uh, but so I go along, whatever, and I find out my girlfriend and my friends and everybody I know, my world becomes turned upside down and... You know, you find that I I find at the end of the movie my new reality, um, in which is you know I am the demonologist. Uh, I'm I'm the hunter of hunters, if you will. So in a way, in this, I'm I'm a little more coal, if you will. Uh, yeah. Although, yeah, I I guess.
2: <laughs> uh, so so it's it's
1: kind of a prequel in a way. I, I think it's really set up to, you know, get another movie out of this and, and, you know, explore that world. You know, we made this movie for a tiny budget um, and it's, it's kind of the beginning of the world. Uh, So hopefully we find success with this first one and uh, you know, we can go on and tell more of the story and explore more demons and explore that world of, you know, hunting the bad guys, and you know, me even being kind of a badass myself. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's kind of the an anti Leo, uh, but with the same moral standard in a way. It's it's different.
2: And would you, how would you kind of categorize working as you said? It's a smaller budget film. How would you categorize? working on a project that has a smaller budget, you know, what are the pros and what are the, the challenges when it comes to that?
1: Well, the pros, I mean, we made this feature film in, in 10 days, uh, which is absurd uh, to make a feature film in 10 days. Uh, and we did it. We got it done. And, you know, bless our whole entire crew who worked their ass off to get it done in 10 days uh the only pro of that is you know nobody's trying to make your performance something else uh that you know you do have a lot of freedom whatever you lay down is going to be it uh there's no time to go back and reshoot and redo it all and, and that's also the con is don't have time to you know make that scene great or you know if you said these lines bad that's it there's there's it's going to be bad uh you know, we didn't have time to move the camera as much as we wanted to, you know, uh, make a lot of the action scenes. So it relies heavily on dialogue and that sort of thing, uh, which, you know, is kind of a con in a way and a big feature is that you, you want to move the camera and you want to use the camera to tell the story and not just rely on dialogue. Um, you know, the pro is that we're all there on the same page trying to make the same thing happen. Uh and as actors, it's like, almost feels like doing a play. We're moving so fast uh, that we all have to be on the same page. And every moment we're not filming, you're, you're talking with the other actor. Okay, what are we doing here? You're trying to pre- prepare. So when it comes time in 10 minutes that, you know, we know our lines, we're ready to go. Uh, and, you know, you constantly have to be on top of it, uh, knowing what you're going to do. Because there's no time to, you know, get a take three. Uh, even sometimes it take two. So, um, you know, it's good and bad If for a viewer. I think it's tough, you know, obviously we're not, you know, some A-list movie that's, you know, done by, you know, Blumhouse that's getting some huge distribution. You know, we're, we're building our fan base and, you know, on demand and trying to get out that way. And hopefully people see it. Um, You know, so we're kind of up against it in a way. And I think as a viewer, you know, the viewers expect and they want all the tricks. You know, you want the CGI. You want the camera moves. You want, you know, all these huge explosions and car chases and, you know, the demons to be fantastic. And, you know, I think there's a genre for people that like um, the lower budget movie and real fans of of horror, especially uh, sci-fi. You know I think they kind of like the you know we did this you know out of the trunk of our car and made it happen um you know and it, kudos to the filmmakers that got it to this point it's uh you know just to just to get it finished is it's a great accomplishment uh you know when you're not backed by millions of dollars,
2: yeah, and i mean it it's funny that you say about it feeling like a play, because as you were describing it, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Um, and, And that's a little, as someone, myself, who, you know, back in high school did plays, obviously, but that's exhilarating in a way. And I think that I am part of that group that doesn't always need a massive budget uh, in order to enjoy a movie, if the movie's good, the movie's good. So I think that's really exciting for you guys to be a part of and to appreciate the fact that it was done in ten days. I think viewers, upon watching, will so keep sad. that in mind.
1: <laughs> it's so fast.
2: I mean, I've made I've made you know several lifetime
1: movies and stuff like that, I and mean, they you know, they're a quicker end, you know, 12 to 15 days, and that's pretty fast, Uh, but a lot of times you're, you know, the sets aren't as large, you're not doing CGI, it's a lot of dialogue, and it's very doable, and like when we did Charmed, and most television shows today do 8 to 12 pages a day, Uh, you know, which, which is doable, but when you're talking indie movie and, you know, you have grandeur and stunts and CGI, it's... It's hard to do 10 to 12 pages a day. I mean, we 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 were trying to push it out, and we had new locations and moving lights, and you know, nothing set up, and your your set decorators running over here, and you know, he's painting a wall that's got to be ready in you know 20 minutes, and you know, your your makeup guy's like, oh, he's under the gun. We got we need it now, and it's, it's a frantic pace, and you know, as an actor. I'm on the easy side of it, right? Memorize my lines, show up, and perform. But, you know, for the crew to to perform under that sort of pressure is, you know, I can't say enough about how much I appreciate them to, you know, give me a space to act in, uh, you know, from the guys moving the lights and the camera guys and, you know, just the people that had lunch ready. And, you know, they – it's a it's a hard platform for them for sure. I, I mean, we honestly, we could have used two or three more
2: weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good part is though that. Uh, with the success of this movie, when people are watching it and stuff, and I really hope for the you know success of it that for the next one, you guys can at least do maybe twenty days, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's the
1: goal. I, I've talked to Steli a lot and he's become a good friend and you know he, he's really talented in this genre and he's he's got a a knack for. Horror, and he loves it. And he's not only a fan of it; he writes it. Uh, He kind of lives and breathes it. Um, You know, you could ask about, you know, the whole history of it, and he's he's quite the buff. So, you know, his his idea of how we could go forward in the next one, and the next one, and the next one, he's he's got it laid out. So, you know, yeah, we we cross our fingers that there is success and. You know, we can see more Damien in the future and, and really kind of expand the universe. Uh, it would be exciting for me as well. Just you know, kind of the anti Leo, the the tough guy Leo, if you will. Uh, you know, not that I want to get away from being Leo. I again, I would, you know, I don't want to offend anybody because it's 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 a blessing in my life that I'm you know this pop icon kind of guy but you know at the same time as an actor you constantly want to play new roles and uh you know be remembered I don't want to just be remembered oh he did Leo and that was it he was done you know not only did he do Leo he went and did this guy and then he did that guy so you know as an actor that's what I'm trying to do is constantly you know make something as iconic if not more than uh you know what we created on Charmed
2: and you see that with so many actors that maybe for a while they're known as one character, but then as they move forward and keep going, I if I have no doubt that <laughs> while we did focus a little on Charmed and Leo, I don't think that people will – I hope people won't get offended that you say it's the anti-Leo.
1: <laughs> well, it's yeah, exactly. I mean, if they do, Just, okay. Fine. Just because I, you're I don't an old you need charm to expand. Fans, <laughs> I don't know the charm fans necessarily the horror fan either. You know, going to the cons and stuff and I've done my horror cons because I've I've done quite a few horror movies, but you know, it's it's almost two different fans, if you will. I i don't know that the pop culture charm fan is the hardcore horror fan either. uh But, you know, we do have a lot of crossover and I I definitely do meet people that, you know, they love sleepwalkers or whatever it was and they love Charm as well or they watch Charm because they saw sleepwalkers or what have you. So, you know, listen, Leo could have used some topping up on the show (laughs) as it was. Uh, So, you know, it's just Leo 2.0.
2: I would say so. (laughs) And where... Where and when, I know you said On Demand, can we find The Demonologist? When is it premiering? Uh, well, I'm
1: not exactly sure, but I think uh, January 1st it's available on iTunes and On Demand. Uh, I don't have all the information myself, but I, <laughs> I do believe that's it. Do you know? Did they tell you? Did you watch it?
2: It's going to be On Demand January 1st, 2019. I... I haven't watched it, um, so I don't. I was avoiding that. I was like, okay, maybe he can not tell that I I haven't watched it. I'm avoiding it
1: too. (laughs) I generally don't watch
2: uh, stuff I'm in,
1: honestly. And it's, you know, I'm my worst critic, and it's it's hard for me to get into the movie, uh, knowing the entire storyline, and you know, watching myself. It's it's kind of hard to disappear. And follow my character because I am the character. So, you know, I'm I'm constantly beating myself up. Oh, that look. Oh, look, I need Botox. Oh, all of it. Oh, I should have said that better. Done this better. You know, knowing, you know, we we're a small indie. It's it's hard for me to watch anyway. Just watching myself. So, um, you know, if we have a screening, we're talking about doing uh, the first week in down in New Orleans I'm going to be in Wizard World uh, hopefully I'll, well, I'll see Steli and some of the other crew members. Uh, we might have a little screening down there that week but uh, it's not set in stone yet.
2: Oh so you're but going other to be than in that, Wizard I don't World?
1: Yet. Uh, yeah Wizard World New Orleans uh, we have four or five shows lined up this year Columbus Ohio and a few other cities and I'll be there with uh, Holly Marie Com- Combs and uh, Drew Fuller. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone else from the show will be there or not, but uh, definitely us three. No New York? (laughs) Not yet.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I, feel I, like heard co- I feel like besides I feel like besides Comic Con, nothing is in New York, which is so shocking to me. I mean, we're New York. It's, I get the yeah, people right? here. <laughs> it's a it's a big more and then once
1: Comic Con came in, there was Chiller, you know, but that's over in Jersey and that's a big show. Uh and I'm we've done that one a couple times. Uh but yeah, now that you have the New York Comic Con it's I think it's kinda of taken everything over. And, and I, I believe think, last year they actually had the, uh, the new cast of Charmed there. Uh, so that kind of, you know, pushed us out.
2: Aw. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, no respect. <laughs> I
1: know. What the hell?
2: <laughs> well, Brian, um, be, besides the Demonologist, is there any other project or, you know, charity that you want to plug right now?
1: Uh, well, I've been working on a movie for the last two years called uh, Michael and Me, and it, it's uh, a story Mark Ralston wrote. He's, you know Mark from many, many, many movies Aliens and Shawshank Redemption, and he's on Turn, uh, he's recurring on Bosch. Uh, but it's a true story of uh, him and a homeless guy named Michael. Uh, I was making a documentary or beginning to uh, about homelessness in America you know, just kind of what that was about. What's the root cause and you know, about alcoholism and, you know, the state of affairs with homelessness and mm-hmm. uh, asked him if he would wanted to be a part of it with me and wasn't really interested in a documentary, but he decided that he loved to do a movie. So he basically penned the story of him and Michael, the homeless guy that lives basically over the wall uh, from his house in Sherman Oaks. And, the stories about their unlikely friendship uh, and it kind of just puts a a different face to homelessness, you know, that not every homeless person is some, you know, they're, they're people too. And, uh, you know, I think my greatest thing being sober is, is, you know, talking about alcoholism and drug addiction and uh, mental health. Uh, uh, The lack of support that we give the people here in America is, is beyond me. Uh, the amount of children that are on the streets the, the the women that come out of shelters and have nowhere to go, uh, the lack of funds that we give to it, and uh, how we kind of just treat people and walk past them uh, and so the is about Michael and michael 's actually in it a uh, homeless guy, and so we started at an indieGoGo and we we raised about twenty grand shot. Uh, about a third of the movie and so we're you know we, we'll, we filmed a little over Christmas we'll film more in January we're just going to keep plugging away and kind of making it uh, kind of out of the trunk of our car uh, until we finish it hopefully it gets out there and I think my ultimate goal is to uh, you know potentially change how we deal with homelessness and mental health in America and you know we want to raise money and give it back to Michael and his church and you know, just help as many people as possible. Um, you know, and I, I think it's raising awareness about addiction and, you know, what, what leads people to the streets. You know, why why are they there? And why do we just walk past them? It's, it's a shame. It really is a shame. I mean, there's many things in this country that are a shame, but, you know, that that is just beyond me. But it's just beyond
2: me. Honestly, fantastic that you're doing um, a movie like that and that it stemmed from... a a documentary because as you said there needs to be awareness raised and i feel that a lot of times we'll say that we want to make change and then we don't actually do it so i think that a movie like this will be incredibly popular because i think that it will speak to a lot of people
1: i hope so you know it's a funny thing everybody's like oh i care about the homeless oh i I donated this or you go down to the shelter you feed to feed them for one day over Christmas or Thanksgiving and you know you donate your clothes and then we walk away it's it's for someone else to donate you know it's like without the church actually you know most of our shelters wouldn't be open and but it you know where's the federal help where do our tax dollars go where why are why is that not going to help it, It's it's beyond me the billions of dollars that are put aside for it don't make it to the street and you know I think if people really knew uh, the mismanagement of funds uh, and it's not just homelessness and mental health how that happens but I, I think people would really be angry uh, and so I just kind of want to shed a little light on it and there's no you know for me I'm not taking a political side it's not left wing it's not right wing it's 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 a human story right it's it can happen to anybody and you know our character michael became homeless at 55 he was married he had kids he had a regular job and you know addiction and you know the the different things he went through as a child it finally got him and you know i've seen it a lot living in los angeles homelessness is an epidemic here and as it is in Chicago and New York and some of the bigger cities. But, you know, we have kids that are on the streets, you know, all the way up to people that are, you know, 80 years old. And I just think as a society, as, as a human, as a human, it's unacceptable. It's, it's unacceptable. And we'll never be able to call ourselves the greatest nation on earth as long as we have hundreds of thousands of people living on the street, ever.
2: And on top of that, there's, I think, a statistic out there that there are enough homes out there to home the homeless. But... There are
1: enough homes. There there, there are enough funds. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I think it, it comes down to addiction, right, and, and people to talk to. And in, in, in my experience, a lot of these people, you know, they don't want to get put in a box. They don't want to be told what to do by the government, like all of us right? They need someone to talk to. They need therapy. You know, so what are you going to do? You're going to give them a home and have them sit there. But there's so many other things that need to happen, right? Why why don't we offer, you know, hey, you want to go into school to be a nurse and a social worker? We're going to give you, a you know, scholarship to go to school if you come out and you work here. I, I think we can, there's so many things we can do that, you know, are just not pushed. It's you know Utah is doing it well. Like you said, they they opened up. They got people out of the parks. They're giving them homes first. They're they're getting them out of the elements so they're not living rough, right? Uh, they're opening up here. They're opening up parks, safe places to park your car if you live in your car. Uh, you know, but that's it's a small handful of people that are willing to do that, and and most people that are asking for change, you know, they're they're looking for alcohol and drugs. It's it's there's just so many people that don't ask, you know, they are mentally disturbed or broken, excuse me, rather. And they don't know how to ask. They don't know where to go. So what do you do? You can't just arrest them and put them in a home forever. Right. They need, they need help. They need therapy. They need someone to talk to. You know, so many of these people don't have a family, you know, they don't have brothers and sisters that care for them or mother and father anymore. You know, they're estranged in some way. And, You know, it's, it's a big argument I have with so many people. Well, why should I pay for somebody else? It's like, well, you know, because that could be you. That could be me. You know, and Australia does it well. They tax the alcohol. They tax the cigarettes. And it all goes to mental health and reform. And, you know, you help people get off the street and build a new life. And I get, you know, run into the argument, well, they're much smaller than us. It can't work this big. I'm like, well, why? so it works for a dime, but it can't work for a quarter. It makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. So uh, I say tax the alcohol, you know, who's, you're still going to buy alcohol. It's not going to get people to stop drinking alcohol, but tax the pharmaceuticals. It's it's a simple fix and then create the industry. But unfortunately, we're, we're years away from implementing it and you know, our current administration, I don't see them making big steps towards fixing that. Uh so, you know, hopefully when we vote again, you know, we we can set up a house and a congress and a you know, all the way from the top down that's that's willing to take you know, the steps necessary to, you know, build it. I mean, from our children to our elderly, right? So I
2: don't know. No, and I understand it is a topic that, honestly, we could even have a massive discussion about so many things with that. And as someone who lives in New York, I see the homelessness of the epidemic. I see it as a result of narcotics, alcohol addiction. But then you also see it as a result of just life not going in the right direction, and as you said, it could be anyone, and that is the unfortunate thing, and we do need people who raise awareness, who are willing to do something more than just the one day a year on Thanksgiving or Christmas, absolutely. You
1: know, and you you saw what happened with the cigarette industry, and they made this big stride and this big change, and, you know, we changed on how they could promote it, you know, and Jeffrey Wigand was—they tried to murder him a few times. So you imagine if you stepped out against the alcohol industry, it's going to—it's the same resistance. Uh, but you know, they made a change, and cigarette smoking's down, and it's not near the epidemic that you know, pharmaceuticals and heroin and meth and alcohol. I mean, it ruins lives, and when you start talking about people that are in jail, it's, I mean. You're not murdering your family sober right right you're not you're not beating up your boyfriend or girlfriend sober you know a lot of that's all we could all take it back to alcohol you know as far as you you don't try meth as your first drug right you know it's it's not marijuana that's the gateway it's 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 alcohol you know everybody's drinking at sixteen and binging, and you know America has in my opinion, an alcohol problem that leads to many other problems. And obviously, today, pharmaceuticals, is they are out of control. As we saw, you know, what they're passing now and regulating doctors and how they can write prescriptions. I mean, it's, it's
2: gigantic. Well, you it's, also see it in the movie industry with um, just the other day, I forget what I was watching, but the whole someone's like, well, just – I just popped the Xanax, right? And right. And something as simple as that, and we laugh at it. But if you sit back and think about it, it's that's just normalizing that whole thing, and going into more of the narcotics, the prescriptions, the quick fixes. So I mean, it is as well. You have people on the industry side who I believe are trying to steer away from that, but then you also have just like the whole sex sells thing they, you right. know, want to go in that direction. So unfortunately it, it's going to take some time before we really see any sort of change in my opinion.
1: Right. And it's not saying get rid of it, you know, it's, but have a fail safe, a catch, right? If if somebody spent their life drinking and has mental problems, where there's no so they have to now pay themselves their way to get into rehab. That's not going to happen, right? So what what happens now? You get them for loitering and you throw them in jail. So now it's it's now we're even paying more through our tax dollars just to keep someone in jail that's not even a threat to society really, right, So, uh, which side do you want to pay for it on? know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not a sexy cause, and that's that's part of the problem too because until it hits lawmakers and individuals at home, you know, so many people, we step over the homeless everywhere we go. Oh, I don't know that guy. That's not me. Oh, he's gross. He's, oh, he just wants money. He wants this. They want food. I bought a guy a burger the other day. He didn't want to eat it. So fuck them. It's like, you know <laughs> – you know, well, I, get, I think, I think that, part of it is like start throwing the faces of children that are homeless and hungry and living on the streets and, you know, the runaways. Start throwing that, that face out there. And maybe that, you know, it's just not a sexy cause to people, you know, unfortunately.
2: Well, I think people you know? in the, like, say, millennial age bracket are kind of um, caring more about that and with movies like how what you're doing I think that's really going to help um the cause and raise awareness what did you say by the way was the name of this movie
1: uh it's michael and me or michael, me and michael. And me. It's, it's kind of changing uh, and do and we, we have a working title called the neighbor uh it's a couple different titles right now <laughs> uh,
2: do do we know when that's going to come out well we're we're going
1: about we're gonna gear up to film here in a couple weeks a few more scenes uh, I mean hopefully we're done with this in the next three four months and then we can edit it and you know hopefully by the end of the year uh, we're gonna do another com- campaign and try and raise more funds to finish it uh, we're you know we're not going out to Netflix or big people to throw a ton of money at it because it, it doesn't need it uh, you know it's a very simple story about a you know, Mark and the homeless guy. So our locations are small. Everything's small. So we don't want to convolute it with, you know, some huge budget in a studio and, you know, some big campaign. But, you know, it, on the back end and distribution, that's a whole different story. But, you know, to make the movie, uh, you know, we can make it for the budget we made the demonologists. So, you know, we've been reaching out to fans and trying to go that route, if you will.
2: Well, as if you can, as soon as you have updates, even a premiere date, I would love to be kept in the loop just because I would love to promote something like that um, oh, for thank people you so to much. watch. And, thank you so you know, much. Of course. And, Brian, thank you again so much for coming on and speaking with me. Um, I really appreciate where this conversation kind of went. And I'm really interested in your upcoming movies, The Demonologist, mm, Michael and Me. Really excited. Thank you so much again, Brian.
1: Of course. You're welcome. Thanks for taking the time.
2: Of course. And you have a great day, okay?
1: All right. You too. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Brian. And thank wow. you, everyone, for tuning in. All right. <laughs>